Welcome to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this podcast we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Easy Living Furniture, where they have a bank holiday weekend sale where everything is reduced in store. I'm now joined by this week's Jerry Collison, Bernie English. <laughs> Bernie, Hi, how are you, how are you? <laughs> Standing in as head of news this week. I am all things to all men and indeed women. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, there was a lot happening this weekend with elections, but uh, one of the major stories was Limerick saying yes to a directly elected mayor. Absolutely. We got it right, Keen. Um, we, we, passed, we passed the vote by not a very huge majority. It was just 3,500 votes. But that, nonetheless, yes is yes. And uh, now the exciting part begins. The speculation about who might be mayor, the speculation about when this might happen. And we're told it's going to take quite some time to work out the actual detail of the post. Um, you know, a lot of things have to be decided. Where, for instance, does the mayor's duty, will this mayor's duties lie in relation to the current duties carried out by people, by city and county manager Con Murray? Uh, stuff like that. But, you know, it really is quite fantastic that we grasped this opportunity where Cork and Waterford turned it down. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's hard, to, it's hard to understand, really, why people would want less democracy. We, we voted for more democracy in Limerick, and let's have, let's have more of that. And this is something that will separate Limerick from other cities, because now we're the only city in Ireland with it. We are now out of the gate, ahead of, yeah. uh, ahead of all the other cities in Ireland, um, including Dublin. So uh, this, this is a very real opportunity, Keane. We could... You know, the person who takes up this position, and obviously we will have to look at who it's going to be very, very closely, but the potential for that person to go and sell Limerick abroad, both to industry, to uh, tourism, to, uh, you know, the goodwill that this person can bring for Limerick with them anywhere they go. And it will be interesting to see what his or her duties will be in relation to the city and county itself. Yeah. What will they be doing about here? But I really think, uh, you know, the fact that, that Cork and Waterford have turned this opportunity down leaves us a free a free reign to apply for funding from central mm-hmm. government. And I have a strong suspicion that we will get quite generous funding for this because... Uh, seen the support from Fine Gael in the build-up to this as well. Yeah, it's well, promising. I mean, it's, it's, it's a Fine Gael move. And, yeah. and presuming that Fine Gael are the people who are going to make the decisions about this in the immediate future, um, I think it will attract quite an amount of money that can be very well spent, yeah. uh, you know, making a name for this city and improving Limerick as the second city in Ireland, if not in size, then certainly in stature. And I know uh, you were speaking about potential candidates, uh, Reem McGoban has an article up on LimerickPost.ie where he highlights some potential does, candidates yes, there. Yeah. But, uh, such, uh, such delightful people as uh, Richard yeah. Lynch, if I love Limerick, <laughs> exactly. have been mentioned. And you know what? He wouldn't be a bad ambassador yeah. at all. And then we have both mayors at the moment. Uh, we Daniel do, of Butler course. Yeah. James yeah. Collins. Yeah. It might be refreshing, though, to see... You know, they're both, they'd both be very worthy yeah. candidates and they'd both be experienced people. But, you know, this could come out of left, left of centre. We, mm-hmm. we don't know who this is. It may not be a politician at all. Exactly. And according to Alan Jake's coverage, it won't be till 2022 that we actually have the mayor. Yeah, it's going to so, take a while. <laughs> so there's well, a good few know, years there for people to get their campaigns ready. I think that's probably a good thing because yeah. this, this really needs to be nailed down. We don't want to rush into solid. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, elsewhere in... Coverage of the elections, a big weekend for local elections, obviously, with a, a long count going on Sunday. Yeah. Quite a shake-up, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the council chamber is going to look very different yeah. this time around, we, 16 first-time councillors. We were promised seven on the way in. We were, we knew that because there were seven incumbents um, standing down. Yeah. So we knew that we would have some fresh faces. I don't think we anticipated having quite so many, but, you know, it's a good thing. It's, it, it shows that politics is alive and well. 
and kicking in Limerick. The the turnout was a good turnout, um, and the seven the, the new the, the sixteen new people are coming from all different different sorts of angles and walks of life, and I think they'll bring a very fresh approach, and I think that's a good thing. Council can get stale when it's just yeah. uh, the opinions of the same big parties, the same faces. And it's good, I think, to have to have a new agenda. And I think there should be a, a nice shout out to Limerick Council or Limerick.ie for keeping people updated till nearly 5am. The count went they on sure till 5am sure Monday did. morning. And, you know, yeah. well done you guys. That's That was a marathon. And then they were back in for the count of the mayoral uh, vote as well, you know. Yeah, but this yeah. is the excitement of elections. Uh, you exactly. know, any, anyone... Uh, the, the public probably don't understand the fever it induces in journalists and tally men and tally women, but it's it's quite an exciting place to be a count centre. Um, nonetheless, until five a.m. in the morning, that was that was some going. <laughs> and then we have the European elections still ongoing in Cork. Uh, recount we, demanded this we morning. Do, we so, do indeed. Uh, yeah, 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 we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, Bernie, there was a green wave this weekend in the elections, and you Absolutely. have a story on page twenty-two of this week's Limerick Post about beekeeping. Beekeeping, yes, yeah. that was a nice segue. Well done. <laughs> you were wondering where I was going there. I for was a getting second. a little bit worried there for a moment, Keen. I thought I might actually have to read the paper. Um, no, yes, we have Limerick beekeepers. There's a surprising success story. A couple of years back, they had just 25 members. Now they have 150, and they run courses uh, several times a year, and huge demand for them. I guess the whole sort of green ethos is extending into all kinds of areas. They have their own uh, apiary out in Mungret. And they're, they're all volunteers, they're all be keen, keen apiarists, and they uh, train newcomers into, be, into the joys of beekeeping. Um, we were speaking with, with, with the secretary of the Limerick Beekeepers Association, and she mentioned that it's, apart from the fun of actually keeping bees, apart from, you know, what you're doing for the environment by uh, looking after these lovely little pollinators, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other, other perks as well. You get honey. You also get wax for candles, she tells me. Lovely. <laughs> and uh, very good quality candles. So you pay a lot of money for those downtown. Um, yeah, they're, they're a lovely bunch and they're growing all the time. So, you know, fingers crossed, bees bees will be buzzing around Limerick City and County at their behest for many years to come. That's brilliant. And that story is available on page 22 of this week's paper. It'll also be up online where you'll find information on how to get in contact with the uh, apiary. And Indeed. Robert. And you don't have to want to keep a, bee, a beehive in your back garden to, to do one of their courses. They're always happy to train people into... Uh, they also help people with growing bee-friendly plants and brilliant. how to have a pollinator's garden. What you can do to actually encourage bees, even if you don't want to run the risk of being stung yourself. Excellent. Uh, Bernie, speaking about the green wave... We have our first two green candidates in local election. We do, and we almost had a third. Years-ish. Yeah. Almost had a third. Very, almost. very close. Yeah, um, that that's an exciting new addition to the council, mm. without a doubt. Um, and they're, 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 you know, the green agenda, to some extent, it, it has taken a bit of a back seat, possibly because we have no green representatives, which is kind of obvious. But I think more more than that still, what has happened here is there's been a very big shake-up for the, for the main political parties mm -hmm. who um, perhaps didn't quite understand the feeling there is on the ground about climate change, yeah. about environmental issues. And that's due in no small way, I think, to the children of Limerick who took to the streets on Fridays, uh, the Friday for Future movement. Yeah, we can see them up at Arthur's Quay there all 
coming together. We did, yeah. we did. And there was uh, elsewhere, the, you know, of course, Dublin, there was a huge turnout for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's mummies, there's daddies, there's uncles, there's aunts, there's grannies and granddads all listening. And I think it's a quite extraordinarily beautiful thing that we're listening to our children. I think that's just fantastic. So I think the, the main parties now are obviously going to have to pull their green socks yeah. up and uh, we'll have to pay a little bit more than lip service. And uh, speaking to Brian Leden, myself on Sunday, he was the first green candidate elected for shortly followed by Sean Hartigan. Yes. But uh, Brian yeah. had this to say, saying the government have to take on board what the people are asking for now. He does. And, you know, actually, Brian, although he's the first time in, in the council, he comes from a very rich political background. Um, there'll be two Leddens in the council. His cousin <laughs> Joe was also elected for Labour. And, of course, his mother, Kathleen, was an independent mayor yeah. of, of Limerick. Um, yeah, I, I, and he said, he said another wonderful thing. He said the Greens' job is to put themselves out of a job. Brilliant. <laughs> now, the way things are going, I think they'll have a job for quite some time to come. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see the, the Green agenda actually brought to the council in a proactive way. Excellent. And all that election coverage is available in this week's Limerick Post. It certainly is. And, and of course, online. Bernie, thanks very much for joining me. Keen, thank you very much. Have, have a, a wonderful bank holiday weekend. You too. A well-deserved rest for yourself after the busy week. You know, women's work is never done. My <laughs> windows to be cleaning. <laughs> Cheers, Bernie. This week's podcast is brought to you by Easy Living Furniture, a bank holiday weekend sale where everything is reduced. And I'm now joined in studio by Megan Scully, presenter of the Limerick Post show. Hey, yeah, how are you? Not too bad. How are you getting on? Well, I'm good. And um, I have to say, I'm very happy we're both here with our eco-friendly, reusable coffee cups with warm coffee inside. I've got my oat latte. You've got your oat flat white. So I just think this is making my life so much happier. Yeah, definitely. And sure, coffee's always good, isn't it? Especially with how busy we are. Exactly. And a reusable cup as well, which I'm delighted about. So, you know, it's all good for the environment too. So uh, what's happening this week, Megan? Well, we've had a very busy week because Live at the Docklands is kicking off on Friday evening with Madness. So we've been covering it, kind of giving everyone a 360. Um, you did the really cool time-lapse video of the marquee going up, which I have to say is so, so cool. And then we did the walk from Dolan's actual venue on the Dock Road all the way down into the marquee to show people where it's on. It was a nice walk, wasn't it? It was a cool yeah, walk. A good bit I of banter on the way down yeah, as well. You know? I think an awful lot of people now are... I think a lot of people all thought it was um, a, d- a different area in the docks and yeah. everyone's like, oh, now they know where it is. So that, that's really cool to see and getting really great feedback. And then I got to chat to Valerie Dolan of Dolan's and to learn all about the 25 year history of the place and how it went from a trad pub, a small trad pub on the dock road to the massive iconic venue it is now with the warehouse. It's got the milk market, they've got the castle and now they have this massive marquee which will see three nights across the weekend. It said um, Madness on Friday, Jenny Green, the concert orchestra. Orty concert orchestra on Saturday night and then of course Sunday night um, the Coronas and every act has um, really good support acts as well so and then you have these after parties going on as well and yeah. our very own Eric Fitzgerald is there with the decks and drums that is going Most to be nights. so exciting yeah. I think yeah Dolan's every night as well it's just going to be so incredible um, so I'm definitely stocking up my vitamin C and loads of water now and, and definitely loads of coffee over the weekend but it's going to be so much fun and the reason I like about it as well is because the three nights are so different like Madness are obviously this kind of ska group and old school then Jenny Green's going to bring us all the club classics and the, and the kind of clubbing music and then the Corona is that really kind of perfect bank holiday Sunday chilled vibes exactly yeah and because the tent is up we don't have to worry about the weather <gasps> I know which is great Real. Apparently though it is promised to change this weekend. Yeah, yeah because hopefully. it's been so bad. I drove up to Dublin yesterday and the weather was oofosak or fad to be in Amsterdam. Bit of a bit of there. Yeah. Yes, my Connemara Irish. I'm just trying to show yeah. off now. Yeah, it's not the real <laughs> Irish though, is it? You know, just, oh, that's very monster um, Irish. Megan, from your point of view, I won't be wearing heels on the weekend anyway. Okay, but 
yes comfortable shoes high heels inside in the tent in the marquee are just a no-no because um you're obviously on kind of uneven ground you're not going to be standing on like a, a wooden floor or anything it's kind of um and sure for the walk down anyway yeah you want yeah. to be comfortable like you don't want to be wearing silly shoes walking down yeah. there and then getting there and realizing oh my feet are sore my shoes are killing me so wear comfortable shoes just think about like it is like imagine you're at a fe- it is a festival so yeah. you have to think you don't wear high heels when you go to electric picnics so don't wear them here just comfy boots if you have something with a chunky heel that you're really comfortable in are um, just trainers exactly yeah. yeah, and then when you were chatting to Valerie as well, it was mad that uh, she actually described the pub when it was originally there, and it's actually the bit where you walk into Dolan's. Yeah, so that when you initially walk in the door of Dolan's, and if you imagine, I know there's that kind of arch door that brings you to the back part, so that was all boarded up, so it was just that tiny little pub, and she said herself that they wanted to open a trad pub in Limerick, and that's exactly what they did, and I think she said herself that it just took off really quickly, and I think, you know, it's amazing for Limerick, because Dolan's is iconic all around Ireland. So many musicians, like I spoke to Nee from Ham Sandwich, and she was saying how she's, you know, about playing in Dolan's and how great it is, and I think musicians have a lot of love for, for the Dolan family and for the venue, and I think that's why you know we've got some such great acts this weekend yeah. and I couldn't believe what she said the Coronas played upstairs in Dolan's years ago when they first started out and then they, she reckons there's 30 people there and now they're going to be playing to a couple of thousand on yeah, Sunday it's night it's like 3,000 isn't it oh, so. it's so cool like, I'm so Mad. excited and Megan thanks very much for joining me thank you very much and I'll chat to you next week and I know we've some very cool things lined up next week for the show very as well. very cool things yes a yeah. really amazing musician that I'm so excited about so check out limmerpost.ie to keep an eye on all our videos and to see what's coming up on the show Megan thanks very much enjoy your weekend I'm now joined by sporting Limerick journalist John Keogh John thanks for joining us how are you getting on all good can you know yourself ah sure look hanging in there you know Nice weekend of sport. Big weekend of sport, yeah. We start with uh, GA this week. We've the first up on Saturday evening, the Limerick footballers um, up in the Munster semi-final against Cork. Down in Park Urine again, like they did in their last game against Tipperary. They'll go in as... They'll definitely be underdogs anyway. Underdog so, suits them though, doesn't it? I think it does. Takes a bit of pressure off. Yeah, I was out with them um, on Saturday doing a bit of video with a few of the players and manager Billy Lee. And while they're... They're, they're, they have taken a lot of confidence from that Tipperary victory. They are very aware of the challenge in front of them against Cork. You know, they haven't been in a Munster final since 2010, but they haven't beaten Cork since 2003 in a champ- Munster Championship game. So it's a big, big challenge ahead. But Limerick are looking to build on that performance result. Will take care of itself if the performance is good enough. But they, they're very aware that they'll have to up their performance significantly. How, how is this Cork team compared to past? Oh, it, look, Cork football's at a very low ebb at the moment, but it's still Cork, you yeah. know, you're not going to, you're coming up against very talented footballers. And there's a massive talent pool there as well. There, there, there is, they haven't been going well, they're, they've been relegated in the league, you know, they're playing Division 3 football now, or will be playing Division 3 football, you know, it's, it, Cork football, I don't ever remember it being at, at such a low ebb, yeah. but again, it's Cork in Cork, it's Parky Rin, not Parky Cueve, which... We'll see, we'll make more of a difference or not. We'll find out Saturday evening. But, um, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge for Limerick heading into that game. But there's a Munster final place at stake against Kerry exactly. Clare. The carrot is big, like, you know. So Limerick showed last last game against Tipperary, against a fancy Tipperary, you know, what they can do if everything goes right. They'll need the same again on Saturday, no question. Everything will have to be perfect from Limerick on the day and hope Cork have a bit of an off day. But... As we know in sport, Keen, these things can always yeah. happen. 
And regardless of what happens this weekend, I think it's a very positive year for Limerick football. It is. It, it's yeah. all about building. And, and that's Billy's mantra. You know, he, he's very aware that results are very important. But his job, in his eyes anyway, definitely is outside of bringing on the team, is bringing on Limerick football as a whole. It's getting these lads. He said after the Tipperary game, this, a lot of the players are in their second year of a cycle. You know, these are the future of Limerick football, not him. They're his words, not mine. You know, he's he's very aware of, of, of Limerick football being, you know, second place to Hurling. That's just the way it's always been. Even when the footballers were going well in the early part of the, this century, you know, they football, the talk was still about the Hurlers, you know. Yeah. So that's Billy's ideology with things, that his job is to bring this team on and bring this group of players on for the future Limerick football not for now so I think they'll be looking for a performance like I said against Cork what comes after that performance well that's anyone's guess exactly. and we'll find out yeah. and then this weekend again a big game in the Hurling huge game for the Hurlers yeah after a very disappointing start against Cork um, they head down to Walsh Park and Waterford on Sunday and just quickly on the Miners as well drew with Cork in the first game they play Waterford at 12pm at look John Kiley won't didn't say it and won't say it we were out last night in the Gaelic Crowns doing a weekly press conference with him and he's still saying it's not a must win game they need a result whether that's yeah. a draw or a win but look realistically you've Waterford next and you've Clare and Tiff after that you know you need to be beating Waterford to have in my eyes I could be well off the mark for momentum you don't want to be relying on wins over Tipper yeah. or Clare at home whatever about a home game but going to start to Thurless against what's a flying Tipperary team and they're in their last game. You don't want to be hoping for a result on that. And seeing Waterford's last two games, if you're not taking points there, there is something worth looking at, isn't there? Yeah, look, again, John Kiley or the Limerick management aren't going to say no, it, but everyone else and the dogs in the street are saying Waterford yeah. are at a very, they've had a very, very poor start. The, I don't know, the, the positivity from their getting to the league final is very, very much gone now for yeah. Parik Fanning and that team. Everyone was expecting a big performance against Clare in their opening game. The whole hullabaloo about Walsh Park. We'll show what everyone, what Waterford Hurling's about here in Walsh Park. And it was an extremely flat performance against Clare, followed up by a fairly, I don't, I don't know, what word to use to describe their performance against Tipperary. It wasn't good enough anyway. So, you know, like, is it just that they've had a bad start? Park Fanning learning his way, a mixture of Derek McGrath's or game plan and stuff. We'll find out Sunday again. Waterford people like yourself, Keen, will be hoping for a reaction from Park Fanning's team. But look, it's do or die for Limerick. They're all Ireland champions, you know. They, as John Kiley said after the game, said again last night that it was flat. It was in, all over the field. It was flat. Even in the first half, where Limerick went in at halftime, he just felt it was like things weren't right. They weren't able to replicate previous form going into. The second half against Cork, and you know, it, it's as simple as like the footballers really. Yeah. Performance is needed in Waterford, and as he said himself, you get the performance, you invariably get the result. So, and it's a nice moment as well to put the naysayers. Well, that, well, that's it. I mean, I, I laugh at pundits sometimes. Like a majority of pundits I saw at the start of the year were picking Limerick or Galway. We've seen Galway struggling yeah. in Leinster in the last couple of games. Draw Limerick Rick against, there as well. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And you see Limerick poor performance against Cork and now everyone is saying flash in the pan this, flash in the pan that. But again, it's come out today in the national media. Like Limerick have the strongest panel. Now it's about using it. Now it's about them performing. You know, it is, it's cutthroat once they're hurling. Even we saw last year, you know, a 
fancy Waterford team, a fancy Tipperary team. They were gone, you know, yeah. and then the summer's over, you know, you've played your four games, that's it, you're gone. So if Limerick don't come out with a good result, be it a draw or win, they're in right trouble to qualify for the A, the Munster final, and B, for the All-Ireland series. Mm-hmm. And then uh, over to the roundy ball, soccer, Super the Blues. R- the Super Blues, yeah, we... um. A fantastic win, if more importantly, again, I said performance a lot, but yeah. Limerick dominated top of the table Kevin Dealey on Friday night. I mean, Kevin Dealey had a couple of chances early on, fine mistake early on from Tomas O'Connor, nearly led to a goal, but it was the best performance I've seen from Limerick this season throughout. And again, it was no coincidence that Conor Ellis and Kieran Hanlon, a fit against Kieran yeah. Hanlon, up front, causing untold issues for a very experienced Kevin Dealey defence. Kevin Dealey outfit in general, really. Hanlon has the strength, doesn't he, to hold a fight? He's got the strength, but he's also got... Just, he's got yeah. the nose as well. Like, yeah. Look, he's a, he's a serious talent in my eyes, and he gets a chance as well. He usually buries it. He yeah. doesn't just mishit it into the net like some sort. He powers it in. Big hand, he was very unlucky not to score himself. Conor Ellis could have had a hat-trick, but for Conor Ellis's goal, that did prove to be a decider. Just shown his strength from a throne, Kieran, and it turned, swiveled very quickly, unleashed a, an extra set of his shot, blasted off the crossbar, and Conor Ellis just fell to Conor Ellis, and a couple of yards out, just nodded home. But you know, it was um, it was just another very, very good performance. Well, Lee Devitt, who's become the last four, three or four games since he got into the team, he, he's been fantastic. His energy levels are brilliant. You know, he's he's constantly on the go. You know, you'd your Sean McSweeney played very well again. You know, you, I think just the only thing that might hold Limerick back from a playoff spot this year is the size of the squad. That's it. Like they have the talent. Yeah, th- there's no question. Robbie Williams' dominating performance again. They were without without Sean Kelly, captain of the squad. It was out suspended. Tomas O'Connor slotted in at right back. Now, as I said, he had a nervy start, but outside of that, was so comfortable in the position. Yeah. And, you know, Jack Brady made a few very good catches. Shane Tracy still playing very well. At left back, the midfield of Darren Murphy and Jason Hughes every week are putting in performance. As I mentioned, Lee Devitt, you know, you you you've players, Max Sweeney, then Ellis and Hanlon were all. I mean, the whole team on on Friday night just gelled so well. You'd likes of Adam Foley coming on to kill out the game, doing very smart things up in the corner, time wasting. We get on to why there was so much added time in a minute, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just positivity and going into Athlone, a team they've already beaten. Um, this season on Friday night, you know, they'll, they'll be full of confidence going up that loan, you know, but the way this season's gone, top six look a different level yeah. than what's below them. So Limerick will be expecting to get a victory there. They were one nil up, Conor Ellis scored in the first half going in and very comfortable, but then 79 minutes. The victory looked to be... Everything looked in doubt. <laughs> yeah, the referee Jason Manick stopped the game. Floodlights hadn't come on. So for whatever reason for the floodlights coming on, there's plenty of rumours about that. But It's always stuff off the pitch seems to be holding yeah, the team back. Limerick are very good on the pitch, whether it's wages, now it's floodlights. You know, um, took 25 or so minutes for the floodlights to come on. More importantly, they did come on and the game is finished. But again, Limerick were very comfortable in that time frame, which, is, which is more says more about them as well. Yeah, You know, very positive again for Limerick, so... What was the crowd like this year? Crowd wasn't great. No, um, no official attendance given yet again. Um, I think that 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 goes to the previous issues we've discussed on the podcast. Yeah. You know, with wages, with 
just a general but when the crowd is dropping that's affecting the players it has to affect the players they're very very appreciative talking to them talking to Tommy Barrett they're so appreciative to people that do turn out they need more the club needs more but to me looking at it it's very much a stand against the ownership of the club what's happening with the players wages etc etc players injuries not being catered for players having to pay their own medical bills you know, we, we've we've done it to death in the last few weeks, Keen. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this week because they're yeah. due wages again this week. So, so hopefully, Ashley strike notice is there. Strike notice yeah. is there. Wait, checks were given last Thursday for previous month's wages. Mm-hmm. That's why the players tagged out against Kevin Dealey to show what they can do against Kevin Dealey. Just, you'd worry. You'd worry what's going to happen next week. Yeah. And it's week by week worry with Limerick FC at the moment. That's why people aren't turning up. I mean, Lim- Limerick fans in general for every sport will get behind a winning Limerick team and they'll get behind a team that gives everything they have no one could argue that every single player that takes to the field for this Limerick team and Tommy Barrett as well are giving everything they possibly can for the team and the club are they being rewarded for it you can make your own judgement on that so week by week we'll see another positive result on the field and we're saying that pretty much every week really brilliant and uh, going from one end of the scale of football to another, we have the Champions League final this week. We do, Nilo Carroll. Both, we're both hoping for a Spurs win, I think, aren't no, we? No, we're not. And I'm going to Madrid <laughs> in the hopes of getting a ticket. I'm going to Madrid um, tomorrow, Thursday. So. You can follow John's journey on. You can follow John's journey, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a fairly uneventful one if I don't get a ticket, but I'm not too awful of getting a ticket. Look, you have Champions League football. Before we get on to the Champions League, though, I just want to mention the Lawson Cup final brought a curtain down the Junior Cup uh, season locally in Limerick. We still have the whole debacle of the FAI Junior Cup, which Ridiculous I'm not going to talk stage. anymore because yeah. everyone knows it's it's just bonkers is the only way I can describe it now. But you had a cracking game between Pike and Fairview and Fairview came out on top. Um, a surprise victory for Fairview beating Pike 3-2 at Jackman Park last. Tough few weeks for Pike. Yeah, losing the Munster Junior Cup, missing out in the league. You know, it's tough. They did earn some silverware earlier in the season, but they were going for three in a row in the Munster yeah. Junior Cup. They were looking to break Janesborough's stranglehold. And hopefully a bit of cancellation with, cancellation with the Lawson Cup and didn't work out, you know. So tough for McShields, McShield and Pike, but just unfair view, you know. They haven't, they, they've kind of meandered the last 10 years. So it used to be a powerhouse of Limerick Junior soccer now, but it's huge for them. Talking to a few of the players during the week, it was just, they were fully convinced they were going to beat Pike. Yeah. And that shows, you know, Jason Purcell and Stuart Fitzgerald, their management team, doing a very good job of getting them right for that game. Pike, again, I was talking to one of the Pike lads last night, did something like 60-odd games this season, which is, when you think about it's it, insane, it's criminal. Isn't it? yeah. It's nuts for junior soccer, but victim of their own success in one sense, and that's always the case with teams yeah. who are playing at the end of the season in finals. They've always played more games than everyone else. But, yeah, very good season for Janesborough, as we mentioned Outside of the debacle with the Junior Cup, the FAI Junior Cup, fantastic for Ashling and Anacati and Regional to make that kind of progress in the competition wouldn't have been nowhere near fancied going into it. You know, you also have Janesborough winning the Oscar Trainer Cup for Limerick, so very good year for Junior Cup or for Junior Soccer in Limerick. Back to the Champions League final, Niall O'Carroll, um, Fountainhead, is writing in this week's paper about. The two managers and the intrigue between Jurgen Klopp and Pochettino and the jobs they've done. 
my own view I'm obviously hoping for a Liverpool win you're hoping for a Spurs win I think it's nice for both of those managers to finally get a trophy one of them yeah you know? I, I think both deserve it if, if for Jurgen Klopp and this is taken off my Liverpool hat his yeah. last three finals you know he's a habit of losing finals um, <laughs> which is the worst habit to have Pochettino hasn't been in a final yeah. to lose but no one can argue the quality of these two managers I don't anyone that says that they're not Maybe just because the they're FA not Cup winning trophies a couple of years ago, you look who is winning the trophies what was that they were in the FA Cup final a couple of years ago against Chelsea no? they were yeah. but they lost yeah. but he was in a final <laughs> he was in a final <laughs> do you want to bring up the defeat like, I don't pay too much attention to Spurs but <laughs> anyone that questions these two managers and no they're not good enough to win if they don't win a trophy is, is complete and utter rubbish mm. you see what Pochettino's done with zero money at yeah. Spurs this season he has got absolutely everything out of that squad of players. You know, Klopp, okay, has spent money. You can add he spent it well. He's brought good, Liverpool have brought good players in. No one can compete with Man City. Yeah. You know, no one, no one. And this isn't me saying, oh, Liverpool lost out in the league. Man City were the better team than what deserved yeah. to win the league. Anyone who wins a trophy is the best team mm. in that on that day if it's a cup final. But over the league, to over 38 games, Man City were one point better than Liverpool. And no argument in that. Yeah. But I mean, you saw in the FA Cup final against Watford, I mean, the chasm is just frightening, yeah. you know, between Man City and everyone else. And Liverpool have done well to get to that level in my eyes. But look, Saturday's game to me is 100% 50-50. I mean, you have, you have two teams that played each other. Oh, if you're going on this season's games, Liverpool beat Spurs at, Wem- at Wembley earlier this season, very early in the season. Could have won the game 5 or 6-0, 1-2-1. We all know what happened in the game at Anfield. It was one all. Spurs were battered Limerick or Limerick Liverpool in the second half. Liverpool got a very very scrappy goal to win it. Very big mistake by Hugo Lloris. I think Liverpool would be a lot more confident if they were coming up against Ajax in the final. Yeah, I think so. I I think so. That's not saying they're not confident. No, no, no. Liverpool should be full of confidence for what they've done this season. Anyway, Um, Graham Souness and ex Spurs and Liverpool player. People forget that he played with Spurs as well. saying maybe Spurs' name is on the cup. I think he's just trying to play <laughs> Liverpool being favourites down. I don't believe in names being on cups. No. Everyone said it can about happen Li- on the day. Yeah, everyone said it about Liverpool last year in the Champions League final. It's such a storied run to the final. Yeah. And, you know, Mo Salah's clash with Ramos. I'm not going to say it's deliberate or not. And some horrendous goalkeeping errors from Carius, you know, and that, that dream of Liverpool's name being on yeah. the cup very quickly dissipated. But... The one thing I will say, Liverpool have the experience of that big game last year. They yeah. should draw on that. But Spurs have, have, have threats all over the field. Maybe hoping Harry for Kane a good game. Fi- yeah. If Harry Kane's fit, which he seems to be, the only thing is lack of game, pra- game, yeah. game time, you know. But hopefully I'll get a ticket, Kane, and we'll, I'll be able to... I'm looking forward to hearing about it, John, anyway. It'll and be some weekend in, in Madrid either way. will indeed. Uh, very briefly then, we have... Yeah, we've the the Ireland's training squad for the World Cup. The Rugby World Cup was named um, on Tuesday yesterday. Yeah, um, fifteen monster players uh, named in that squad, but most notably is the inclusion of Jean Klein, who qualifies for Ireland in August. South African-born Jean Klein. Um, he's been named as has Mike Haley, um, qualifies for Ireland through his Kerry born grandmother. He joined from Sale two monster to start of this year. And also, if the, the usual, Joey Carberry, Keith Earls, Peter Mahoney, all them, Ty Byrne, plus Rory Scannell. But Tommy O'Donnell is an interesting one for me. Whether he makes the final cut of 31 or not, 
has had horrific injuries again this year, but got fit, was fit again at the very end of the season. Could have been included in the match day 23 for the Leinster defeat in the Pro 14 semi-final. Just a bit of good news on Tommy O'Donnell. That's the way I'll finish it. Brilliant. John, best of luck on the weekend. Cheers, Thanks for joining us. And as always, our sports content is brought to you in association with Sporting Limerick, where you can find more minority and major sports in Limerick and Ireland on sportinglimerick.com, limerickpost.ie, and following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted as well as SportLK. John, best of luck. Thanks, Kane. This week's podcast is brought to you by Easy Living, where they have a bank holiday weekend sale and everything is reduced in store. Johnny Mean's studio now is our entertainment editor, Eric Fitzgerald. Eric, how are you? Good, Keen. Very good. I missed I, you last week. You were around the office, but um, yeah, I, I, I had to head away. Busy, I you? had to head away down towards Cork, and I had a great weekend down there. And so I'm, we abandoned you to uh, election fever for the weekend. We did indeed. It looked like a man who hasn't slept, hasn't slept in about forty-eight well, hours. Was that Mark Knopfler on Friday in Triarina? So you know that, that's added to the tiredness. I think you've been wandering around yeah. a lot, so yeah, and kept busy. So we have a busy weekend coming up as well. It looks like it, so yeah. Keep the but I'm looking forward to this one, I think. Keep the energy yeah. levels up now for this one, I think, yeah. We have absolutely loads going on. With the, uh, the Docklands, live at the Docklands. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and Waiting weeks now. Waiting in anticipation. Yeah. yeah, and now it's it's arrived. Finally. You know? And uh, I suppose the June bank holiday weekend here in Limerick, it's always been a bit of a sort of a hit and miss weekend. Yeah. You know, lots of folks like to go west and that. But this particular festival looks like it's nailed it you and it's know? given people a reason to stay around isn't it? and that's what everybody just has been crying out for, for yeah. years anyway give us a really good reason to stick around uh the jenny green show is now completely sold out madness is about oh, to be sold there. out yeah. and the coronas are heading in that direction as well that's three nights down in the Docklands, uh, down off Atlas Avenue, so it's 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 down there near the Topaz there on the Dock Road. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a terrific, terrific weekend, you know. So and for people um, who got tickets, there's these after parties going. There's a few. Um, yeah. There's a bit of mischief going on in uh, Dolan's Warehouse as well, um, and it's 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 over the three nights. Uh, so folks who are making their way back from the gig, they can just pop in, have yeah. a few beers. There'll be stuff going on on stage. There's these uh, decks and drums lads playing. One these decks and drums decent, boys that have, yeah. have, have a small connection here in Limerick Post. Uh, yeah, they are uh, holding court and uh, we'll be welcoming some very special guests. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll have uh, Noxie from the Coronas on Sunday. He'll come in and do a DJ set. And uh, the big one, I suppose, is Jenny Green is going to come in and do a set after she has been playing with the RT She'll be busy herself, won't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say I'd imagine she's probably going to finish what she does in the Docklands. Maybe then come on, come to the warehouse and kick on from there, yeah. whatever you know. And uh, that'll be a kind of an interesting set to see what she comes up with, you know. So it'll be uh, taking it up another level, yeah. I would imagine, you know. Uh, so it's going to be great crack over the weekend. And um, I suppose in particular for my own interest, I mean, I love radio, and I grew up with the likes of Two FM in the. 80s i mean there was absolutely no radio around whatsoever prior to 1979 uh outside of rt radio one and 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 the pirates if you could if you could tune in if you could find them but so i got a chat with the legend that is dj mickey mack who has been with 2fm for uh well the most of these were some big name radio djs with 2fm honest yeah absolute major name and he has um he sat down with us and he had a great old chat uh, about the old days and, 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 and getting the job for the very first time. And this is all tied into the madness gig that's happening this Friday, because what's going to happen is in the warehouse, uh, we're going to celebrate 40 years of 
2FM or RT Radio 2. So we'll have uh, Mickey Mac playing and reminiscing a little bit about his uh, 90s uh, dance show. He'll be doing a lot of tracks from that. And we'll have Will Leahy downstairs, probably covering everything else, basically. <laughs> Whatever you're having yourself, you know. So we nailed him down. We got, we got a bit of a chat with him and he was just kind of explaining like what it was like in Limerick in the 70s. You know, you basically, if you... If you could uh, get the aerial to work on your radio, you might get to hear Radio Luxembourg or BBC Radio 1. But outside of that, it was RTE Radio 1. Yeah. There was like, for, for a generation of folks now that we're so used to having an entire library music in our pocket, you were lucky to get 15 minutes or half an hour of pop music on the radio at all in the 70s. So, And that's the scene where that he came into, you know. So he was one of 24 people, very lucky 24 DJs who got a job on uh, 2FM all of uh, 40 years ago and uh, it, it I remember it uh, opening up uh, with uh, the Boomtown Rats like clockwork on the <laughs> 31st of May 1979 and we were all looking forward to what came afterwards so you know for generations that they, they actually had it to themselves yeah. un- until the local radio stations you know started to eat into their market somewhat and of course the likes of Radio Ireland came to DFM and all that came along. So it's a different scene completely now. But yeah. back then, they were the only show in town. I don't know if you remember things like Beat on the Street that used to happen in Limerick. It was like, an, it was, they were like rock stars. Jerry Ryan, DJ would arrive. things popped up around towns in Ireland everywhere, I think, exactly. over a year. They, yeah. they were down in Arthur's Quay yeah. and there was tens of thousands of people there. And it might as well have been you too turned up to play a gig, you know, and it was basically yeah. a DJ. They were treated as celebrities, really. They were huge yeah. celebrities. Massive, you know. So yeah, so uh, Mickey goes through a lot of that and he's chatting about all of that and it's a good old reminisce, you know, and, and no better buckle for it. And uh, he, he's still on, uh, he's still he's still busy. He's still on RT Gold on Saturdays as well. Uh, Willie, he's on RT Gold as well. That's one of these uh, dab radios, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if you have, yeah, if you're on your computer or your dab radio, you can check it in. Um, but uh, yeah, he tells a couple good few yarns here uh, about the good old days and uh, obviously re- reinventing himself for Mickey Max dance show. And uh, I, with all that, I'm just going to give a little plug to um, Will Leahy and uh, our own local DJ, JJ Hartigan, who's involved in House Limerick. Yep. Um, he's also working for RT as well. And they have put together this uh, brilliant documentary called uh, 2FM40. The Untold Story. Uh, loads of interviews with um, Adam Clayton, Dave Fanning, Ian Wilson, going right through how they broke you two in the early days, how they got the, so many bands in for sessions, like the Cranberries, you know, yeah. when Dolores O'Rear insisted on being carried down by Ian Wilson on his back to do a radio session and an interview. And there's uh, some great stories in there. So that's that's being broadcast as well on uh, Friday the 31st, but it's also being repeated on uh, RT Radio 1 the following Monday if you miss it. So it's something to be interesting. Had a list. I got a preview of it, and yeah, it's a good yarn to get right yeah. in, into everything, uh, all, all, all the big stories from those Excellent. years. You know? So yeah, th- that's something worth checking out. So yeah, for radio buffs and, and, and people who are interested in that sort of crack, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Friday the 31st is uh, something to celebrate and look back on, you know. I think JJ is opening for Jenny green on saturday as well isn't oh he? there you go yeah. so yeah so it all ties in together exactly. he, may, he may call over and do another set in, in doors as well you know so yeah i, th- I think it's going to be a real yeah. uh it's going to be a real local affair i think you know people are going to have a load of fun with it um so we got a we got a, an exclusive as well we got an exclusive from uh, emma langford uh, great news. Uh, she, she got on to us and uh, just being uh, announced today uh, that our our, what's our our RT Radio 1 Folk Award winner, she is going to perform the biggest concert 
locally of her career so far. Brilliant. So she's got a festival slot. It's called the Limerick Summer Music Festival, and it's all happening at Ross Bryan Pavilion on Friday, July 12th. So Brilliant. tickets will be going on. There'll be an announcement about it, and tickets will be going on sale from tomorrow yeah. on. Um, so, and with all that, she's telling me that the Quiet Giant album, she is now working on the follow up. Brilliant. And she's working in Dublin with the folks from the production suite who looked after the Quiet Giant album. They are uh, Chris O'Brien and Graham Murphy. And they are again on hand to get this recording done. And I mean, they did a brilliant job on. I follow her on a Patreon and she drops a few hints now and then. But uh, there was something coming up and that uh, there's a. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is this is going to be a big deal for her because I don't think she's played a whole lot of Limerick gigs, really. Yeah. And, you know, not, nothing, nothing official anyway. Yeah. And this is the first one that she's really got behind. Um, so that's going to be a, a, a huge night for her. And that's on Friday, July 12th. And I keep an eye out for details and tickets on that. And she is bringing out a single as well, Goodbye Hawaii, which has been in the set for quite a while, yeah. but is finally going to get its recording on the on the new album. No title for the new album yet, um, but I'm sure she'll probably be aiming probably for later, maybe this year, I suppose, for a release, you know, maybe early 2020. So. Best um, of luck to her from all of us here, I suppose. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's great news for her, yeah. And uh, and other stuff that's going on over the weekend. Well, Docklands is kind of running the show, really. You know, we've just been talking about uh, the Ginny Green and Corona's yeah. playing there. Um, but there is a few other little bits and pieces happening. If you're a Tina Turner fan, um, there's uh, Rebecca O'Connor is is doing her simply her best to do simply the best with Tina Turner. So you can go <laughs> to, you can go to that on uh, Friday. Um, and uh, Alabama Three are playing an acoustic show. I know the in the news lately yeah. that they had they had lost one of their members uh, D Wayne Love but uh, the acoustic uh, the acoustic tour continues anyway you know but um, and they're um, I think if, if you remember when uh, Bob Dylan played out out in Tumut Park uh, Alabama 3 played the full band and they're, they're probably the best show of the, yeah. of the day you know they're really really good um, so that's worth checking out that's uh, that's this that's tonight Thursday the 30th um, and there's a few other little bits and pieces going on um, 16 Tons of Jive they're playing in Charlie Malone's you know everyone's favourite late night pub and uh, in UCH Paul Brady and Theo Kazman and it's Paul Brady singing with Theo's uh, backing band, and he's a New York singer-songwriter. Uh, but they are reinterpreting Paul Brady's music so that he can play with them. So that could be a very interesting interpretation of Paul Brady's music. Brilliant. So I'm done Action talking, packed. I think, Ian. Action-packed. <laughs> it's just time to go off and enjoy the weekend, I Let's think. Let's go Mary. off and enjoy this weekend, yeah. you know. I, I mean, the weather is going to be mixed, but who cares? We're under a tent anyway, you know. Exactly. So it's fine, you know. Yeah. And it'll be great fun. And, uh, and yeah, the more people that support this weekend, the more the bigger it'll get in the future, you know. This is this is yeah. what we're looking for. because I mean, Don't take it for granted is the thing, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you're if you're buying tickets for this weekend, you're buying tickets to, to get even bigger shows coming yeah. into town maybe next year as well. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great to have the whole old town packed for the june bank exactly. holiday weekend it would be brilliant brilliant okay so we'll Eric, see you around there somewhere dancing you, you may indeed the Green yeah. anyway, at the very if end. i can take a break off work you know exactly yeah, put on the camera down and go for a boogie <laughs> <laughs> eric thanks very much for joining us and have a good weekend okay see you next week this week's podcast is brought to you by easy living furniture we have a bank holiday sale this weekend and everything is reduced i'm now joined by our arts editor rose rush rose how are you getting on howdy keen any news how are you getting on? Loads of news. Yeah, all so good. Do we have any life after Docklands Marquee comes down? 
reader, sorry, listener in this instance, take courage. There is any amount of joy to our world pending in the week into June 8, June 9, okay? Can I open out with Limerick's International Choral Festival? You can indeed. The streets will be alive with music. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there is a free choral trail. And the, the lovely thing, this is our seventh international uh, choral festival. It's non-competitive, which is delightful. Yeah. It's not about prize winning. Everyone's always in good spirits that are performing, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. And as we know, the big saying and singing in a choir, apparently these really elevate us mentally yeah. and our holistic function. Everything, everything works very well. This is a festival that was seeded with others by Sinead Hope, director at UCH. She's a violinist herself. And she tells me when I pressed her, she sings in a choir, but does not admit to being a singer. You figured that out, Kim. Um, she took me through many, many high points in a four day festival that will actually begin on Wednesday, June 5th with an intense workshop by the Swedish a cappella ensemble, The Real Group. Lovely. Really high end, sought after, expensive, a great booking opening concert for them the following night on Thursday. They're doing a workshop to which anybody can sign into. You do not have to be a choir member. That's on Wednesday the 5th. And another big highlight, because this, this festival is for people who sing in choirs and for those of us who like to listen. And they have another high-end um, workshop with Bob Chilcott. That's virtually an all-day thing with lunch included on Saturday, June 8th. The concert hall in Plassey is the site for both workshops. In Teralia, we have concerts in the Redemptress. We have concerts in Adair, in the Holy Trinity there. We have concerts in the Concert Hall, of course. We have concerts in the castle. We have a music trail. Sinead gave me a generous interview. It's on the page, page number 72 in Limerick Post. You can look it up online shortly. Um, they, they partner with RTE Lyric for this, uh, Lorcan Murray and Liz Nolan are around to present uh, two or three of the concerts. Brilliant. So much One thing that always to... stands out are the venues, aren't yeah. they? Amazing. It's lovely to see. Yeah. It's, music in there. Yeah. This is it, this is what they love to do. Yeah. We have 300 choristers flying in from the States alone. And the whole thinking behind this festival is to bed them into Limerick. Mm-hmm. Bring them through Limerick. It's worth their while booking in for a few days. It's worth somebody's while to travel in from Dune, down from Donegal, or over from Dublin to check into the workshops and the concerts. And we really, you know, showcase Limerick's amazing sites, city and county at their best. Great point, Keen. Brilliant. And uh, so four seems to be the magic number, Rose. Four days of choral festival and then there's four plays by the Sicilians. Okay, it's actually five days now. Five they, days. They snuck They've in this added additional an workshop. Yeah, ah. yeah, that wasn't on the agenda. Now it's an agenda, so that's why I'm... Well, I was kind it. of right. Yeah. <laughs> Nearly right. <laughs> yeah, you're dead right now. Four plays for the Sicilian centenary year, which is this year, 2019. And this is an initiative that came from Jason Ronan. He's a big wig with uh, Sicilians and with Limerick Musical Society, a truly gifted actor. Um, this is not musical theatre. This is their stab at straight drama and a comedy. It's become an annual funding exercise. It's become an annual training and development exercise. Individuals within Sicilians take it upon themselves to become either cast or crew are the adapter from a longer play are the director 
So in this instance, the venue will be Gwaleskull Raheen, which has a proper stage, lighting rig, everything. The dates are June 5 and June 6. You will book to support them on SicilianMusicalSociety.ie or Eventbrite. And the four plays from which they take units are made in Limerick plays. Now, they had a lovely little do in South. And therein I spoke to Brian Henry and I spoke to Porrick Hastings. Porrick is a director. He has chosen elements of Pigtown. He's going to do three non-consecutive scenes. He says he's going to milk them for their comedy. And one of the scenes we're promised is the rugby scene that allegedly inspired John Breen's masterpiece, Alone at Stands. Brilliant. That's one play. I've seen Pigtown a couple of times. It's a superb quality writing. Pigtown is a Mike Finn play, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I've also seen Honest Arts Production Company. They did Waiting in Line. That show was so good, developed under City of Culture auspices. It was shortlisted for an Irish Times Theatre Award. And the other show I've seen within this is Mary Call's Excess Baggage. I saw the original with Monica Spencer. Oh, Christ, laugh out loud, funny. <laughs> bold, bold, bold. Uh, in this instance, the cast would be comprised of Anne, Anna Carey, Gary Murphy, Kate McBriarty. And the third play, which I have not seen, is by a social worker working with Adapt Domestic Abuse Services. She's done a lot of work in development, even so far as to win a bursary with the Abbey Theatre. Her name is Carrie Barrett and her show is Bingo. Excellent. And uh, any organisation celebrating the centenary says a lot about them, doesn't it? Doesn't it just? Yeah. Doesn't it just? So, um, oh yes, more exciting news. They've been, I think I might have mentioned this to you last weekend because I was just fresh from the South's um, party at the time. They've been nominated for four national awards. Folks, for those of you who don't know, the Oscars for musical theatre in this country is called AIMS. AIMS being the Association of Irish Musical (laughs) Societies. They're nominated for three Best Comedian, Best Chorus and Best Choreography. Top awards. Excellent. Best to look with that. Okay. More reasons to be cheerful. Can I go on? You can go on indeed, Rose. Literally, it's in the title. Michael Murphy comes back to town. He's on stage tonight with the first of two plays. The other play, which I'll begin with, actually, is on Friday night. That's called I Hear You and Rejoice. I saw it a couple of years back, and my God, it was a song in my heart for so long afterwards. I see him vividly on stage since, and I hear his words. It's the most beautiful homage to... um, his late wife. It's going to make you laugh out loud. It's proper Irish, dirty wit, and absolutely filled with love. I hear you and rejoice is in Bell Table this Friday, May thirty first. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's it's beautiful writing and performance work and timing from Michael Murphy. And unknown to me, that play had a precursor with the same character in it. His name is Pat Farnan. And Pat Farnan first saw the light of day in pen and paper and on stage in October nineteen seventy-eight. And that show is called The Man in the Woman's Shoes. And that opens at Bell Table tonight for one night only, Thursday, May 30th. So get in and support your local theatres. Absolutely. Pick up some tickets. The quality of fare that's on offer yeah. is, it's just thrilling. And speaking of quality, we have a beautiful festival happening okay. starting this weekend. 
Yeah, and you're party to some reportage on it as well, Keane. I'm looking forward to a fragment of your interview with the AG Joachim Rohr. There were some revelations in that that were, you know, very pleasing to my ear. This is going to be, as with the Choral Festival, it's the seventh iteration of this. It's the Killaloo Chamber Music Festival. Lermic Post has supported it from the beginning. It opens tonight in grand style with Opera Collective Ireland giving us an Irish premiere. This is going to be directed by Peter Whelan, one of Ireland's top, top, top musicians and directors. He's fresh from conducting some of these musicians uh, in The Magic Flute. So uh, that takes place in Sil Flannan's Theatre tonight. That opens at 7.30. Thereafter, for this week's Magic mm-hmm. Word, we have four days and nights of matinees, of workshops. Uh, there's a creative writing workshop. Um, the Rising Star, we can hear on Saturday morning in St. Flannan's is Matthew Breen. He's going to be playing us uh, jazz keys, piano and organ. Um, there's a wonderful late night tribute to Gershwin. The vocalist in that is Kathleen Turner, a recording star who works with the Irish uh, Chamber Orchestra in her own capacity with them as well. And she's going to be supported by violin. Um, She's going to be supported by Michael McHale on piano. She's going to be supported by the Chatham Saxophone Orchestra. Just almighty stuff. Amazing Mm -hmm. gigs. Um, I interviewed two two members of the committee. One is Maureen Garrett at Google Killaloo Limerick Post online you'll find Maury's interview uh, Google Killaloo um, online again you'll find my interview going back a week with Joachim Rohr and Kian, maybe now you'd like to give the reader a hint of what it's like number one to be artistic director and he's very clear about this I think and it's wonderful he credits his hard-working committee so well at this it's yeah. a year's work distilled into these four days exactly and, and it is a busy year as well because there's a lot of planning involved and he took some time out of his busy schedule to sit down with me in St. Flannan's Cathedral. Great, let's hear it. And one thing I always wanted to know is what, what a viola was and why it was different to a violin when they both <laughs> looked similar. <laughs> me too, Dakam. And uh, Joachim had this to say to me. It, it's, uh, uh, it is, it's held the same way as the violin. It's bigger uh, and because it's bigger, it's lower. So we go five notes Lower. further down you'll find us sort of in the middle of the orchestra we are there to mainly to provide harmony uh, while the violins are uh, floating away in their tunes uh, it's a beautiful instrument it's got a sort of a darker sound yeah. uh, but it's much closer to the human voice actually than the violin, the violin so it would suit opera very, very well I'd imagine it would yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. Rose yeah. thank you very much for joining me ever a pleasure Kane. and thank you I have to say you're the most easygoing and yet brilliantly exact presenter thank you for making it easy this is not my discipline and you're opening it out for me thank you thank you have a good weekend so this has been the Limerick Post News Roundup I've been your host Keen Reinhardt I'd like to thank Megan Scully our host of the Limerick Post show our stand-in head of news Bernie English arts editor Rose Rush entertainment editor Eric Fitzgerald and our sports journalist John Keogh from Sporting Limerick as always more Limerick news can be found on limerickpost.ie and you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels this week's podcast has been brought to you in association with Easy Living Furniture who have a bank holiday weekend sale this weekend everything is reduced in store so for news podcast videos and much much more visit limerickpost.ie We really are keeping Limerick posted.